presently in the time, the three weeks, <coughs> time leading up to Tishavah, the ninth above, in these three weeks, Chafal Afyon, the 21 days, are the times we call the Bena Mitzar between the Straits, the difficult times, time that is of national mourning, a time that we commemorate and think about all the destructions that happened throughout history to Kalisro, destruction of the first and second base of Mingdash. It's a time, a time that even though it's it's during the times of constraints and a time of difficulty, and a time of challenge. Whoever desires to connect, to connect with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to connect with Hashem, in this time, it's it's even in a way, it's even a bigger opportunity, opportune time to connect. These twenty-one days correspond to the twenty-one days of the beginning of the year between Tishrei, Rosh Hashanah, and Rosh Hashanah Rabbah. And just like those are times that we connect through joy and introspection and tshuva, correspondingly, there's also time that is these three weeks, and especially now this 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 week until we come to get to Tishabov is a time that we can connect through another type of avoid, another type of spiritual work. On the day of Tishabov, we say in the Megillah Seicha, we say in the scroll of Eicha, we say a pasuk, a verse. That we say, Karalai Moed, the Shava Bachurai, Karalai Moed, this day is called upon as a time of Moed, a time of encounter, a time of holiday. And this is what we say in the Pasik, this is what it says in the verse, in the cha- first chapter of Eicha, Pasik Tazvav. And because the, the, because the Eicha, the book of Eicha, calls Tishavav Moed, calls it actually a Moed, which, which normally is translated as a holiday, a yamtav. So that's why, it, in fact, according to Allah, in Jewish law, we say that on Tishba, the day that we mourn the destruction of the first and second base of English, is also a time that we actually do not say tachna, we don't say the penitence, we don't say the prayers that are usually omitted in a day of joy or a day of holiday, which is very kind of perplexing and kind of strange that we're talking about a day of Tishabov that's a time that we're mourning destruction and concealment and, and, and brokenness. And we call that time a moyad, we all call that time a holiday. So we can understand this on multiple levels, and we'll try to get a little bit deeper and deeper. On the first level, we can understand this by a verse that says in Zechariah, in chapter 819. So the Pasuk says in Zechariah, it's a famous verse, when it talks about the four fasts of the year. So the Torah, the Nach, says, the, the Prophet says, Tzayim HaRavi, Tzayim HaChamishi, Tzayim HaShvi, Tzayim HaSiri, this is the fourth month fast, which is in Tammuz, the fifth month fast, which is in Av, and then the Tzayim Gedalia, and, and Asar B'Tevis, the 10th day of Tevis, is Yil Lebeis Yehuda, will come a time when we come to the house of Yehuda, to the Jewish people, It'll be a sasan a simcha day of joy and festive celebrations. So long as you seek truth and peace. This is the Pasik. And this is actually this verse is brought down la lacha. It's brought down in Jewish law. The Gemara brings this down 
with regards to the Gemara Rosh Hashanah, Dafyat Ches in 18b, the Gemara talks about when we should fast, when we don't have to fast, these fasts, certainly the fasts of Shivas Batamos and San Gedalia and Asarbatevis, even. And the Gemara says that when there's peace in this world, then we don't have to fast. And when there's no peace, then we have to fast. In a time where there's no peace and there's no opposite of peace, there's no, there's no war and there's no peace. So Ratzon Masanam, Ratzon Masanam, if we want, we can fast. If we want, we don't have to fast. According to Jewish law, it's established that we do fast. However, we see from the passage, we see already from the verse, that there's an indication that this time will be transformed into a day of joy and to Mayadim Simcha. In fact, this is brought down in the Rambam. The Rambam in the Maimonides and the Rambam, the Allah's Hilchas Tainus, the Rambam rules in the end of Hilchas Tainus, that call Hatainus Asidum Libatel, all the fast days will eventually be nullified. And then he continues, not only will they be nullified, but eventually they'll become Simcha, they'll become holidays and days of joy. And he brings down this Pasik, this verse, that this is also brought down in the Torah Shulchan Aruch, and this is the way it's ruled. So we could say that why is Tisha B'Av, why is the ninth of Av that commemorates and celebrates, or is dedicated to the memory of the destruction of the second and first base of Mikdash, why is it called a Mayid? So it's not called a Mayid for its present time, it's called a Mayid al Shem Asit, on the future, that eventually this day will be transformed into a holy day, into a happy day into a holiday. So it's called on, on the name of, the, of its future. A little bit deeper we can say that this is not only a future in, in future tense, a future that we will receive in the future, but there's a glimmer of the future already in the present. We know there's a famous Medrash, the Medrash Necha says, and the Ramban discusses this in the Vikuach, that uh, there's a Medrash that says that Mashiach spark of Mashiach, the Nesham of Mashiach, the soul of Mashiach, was born at the moment of the Churban, at the moment of the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, that's when Mashiach was born. We see that um, the Gemara says, the Gemara in Baba Basra, Tzalek Tess, says that um, when the Jewish people are doing the will of the Creator, then the Keruvan, the two cherubs, that's that were erected on top of the ark, the two cherubs were in a brace. When they were not in a positive state, when they were not in a positive posture, so this was reflected also between the male and the female of these two cherubs, they disconnected. So when we, in our relationship with God, with the Creator, were in a state of embrace, this was reflected how the kruvim, how the cherubs actually were related to each other. So when we're in a good state, they were good, and they were in an embrace, and God forbid, when we're in a state of astray, if we, we distance ourselves, and we, 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 we created an exile, an eternal and existential exile from our source, that also represented that these two were separated from each other. Then the Gemara says, that's one Gemara. The other Gemara says, in Yuma, the Gemara says, that when they destroyed the Beis Amigdash, they saw that the Keruvim, the Cherubs, are actually they were in a state of embrace. 
which Kruvim is a little bit difficult to understand because in the first temple, in the first base of Mikdash, the Kruvim of the Ark were already hidden before the destruction of the first base of Mikdash and the second base of Mikdash, the second temple. There weren't any Kruvim, so simply it could be that it was, these were the cherubs, the Kruvim that were painted on the Kapoyas, on the Kapoyas that was in, in front of the, that separated, in the partition that separated between the Holy and the Holy of Holies. But there was an image that at the time of the destruction, at the moment, at the peak of, 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 the, of, the, of the assuming most negative experience, the Kruvim were in a state of embrace. Why were they in a state of embrace? So it's brought down in Pinchas Karetz, it brings down, it's brought down in his name. This has to do with another Gemara. The Gemara says in Yevamas, a person has to be, be intimate with his wife, and a man and wife should be intimate with each other, Spouses should be intimate with each other before they go on a trip, before they separate. So there's an idea of a certain sense of, of connection, of bringing together before there's a separation. But what happens when there is a, a getting together, of course, this also means that there's a, a release, a new spark is created, something new is created, which, which, which means that at the time when there was a, the destruction, at the moment of the destruction, there was also the that the chariots were in a state of embrace, and that represented that there was the possibility of the birth of the future Mashiach, which means that Mashiach, the concept of redemption, was not only your future, which is in the first analogy, that Yehovchul Sassel Simcha in a future time, but actually it, it, it was already in the present, in the present moment, at the moment already of the destruction, there was already the birth, the Ibor, the impregnation of the possibility of the messianic consciousness, of, of the messianic idea that eventually will redeem the world. So this is a deeper level, not only the future, but the future is even in the present. But let's try to understand it even on a deeper level. Why is Tishavav, this day of, of mourning, why is it connected to an idea of Mayat, a day of celebration? So what is the idea of Mayad? What does Mayad mean? So Mayad, we find in the Torah, the Torah itself, we see that there, the Mishkan is called an Oya Mayad, the tent of Mayad. And then there's also Eilam Mayad Ashana, also the Mayad Ashana. So Mayad, there's a Mayad that is connected to space, which is the, the Mishkan, the tabernacle, the base of the Mikdash, which is a place where a man encounters the divine in space, but Mayad is also connected to an encounter in time. Just like there's a place that we can encounter Hashem in space, there's a, there's a time that we can, connect, we can encounter Hashem. Now, of course, we can encounter Hashem in every place and every time. But these are things that are sacred, that they're Kedusha, that are dedicated to this type of encounter. So now let's think about oil of Mayad, Mayad Ashana, and when Karolai Mayad, that Tishabov is called a Mayad, let's understand that it's a time for an encounter. There's a very interesting medrash that the medrash in in Echa Rabba, in the beginning of the medrash, beginning of Echa, beginning of the medrash, on the book of Echa, the medrash says that as the base of English is being destroyed, Hashem calls the angels on high. What exactly this means is for another time, but there's an, a, 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 an encounter between God and angel. And Hashem asks Kaviyachal, the angel, he says, what is the way of a melech basvedam? What happens in a, with a king that, God forbid, is in the state of mourning? 
what do kings on this earth do when they're in mourning? So Malach Ashar say, you know, when a king is in mourning, they they close the lights, they, the, the big the lanterns that are lit, they close the lights to show that it's a house in mourning. So Hashem says, okay, I'm going to close the lights. He says, what else do they do? They said they take off their shoes and they sit on the ground. He says, okay, I'm also going to do that. I'm going to take off my shoes and sit on the ground. What else do mourners do? He says, they sit doim, they sit silently. They're quiet. They're in a state of mourning. They're in shock. Hashem says, I'm going to do the same. So there's an idea of Tisha B'av where Hashem's presence is present within the place of mourning, within the place of being on the floor, within the place where it's silence. There's another interesting Gemara that will help us understand this. Our sages tell us, and this is a popular Gemara that's repeated in Gemara Chagiga Yudalad, and it's also repeated in Yishami and Medrash. The Gemara says that there are four people, four great sages that entered into the mystical orchard. And they had a vision. Azai ben Zaymer, Rabbi Akiva, and Alisha ben Avoya. This is a character, Alisha ben Avoya, has this mystical encounter. He, he chants the divine names. Like Rabbi Nachanan, or Rabbi Haigon, and the Goyim say, this is what happens. They, they, they have an inner vision, the Taisa says. And they have, he has this mystical encounter. What happens with Alisha ben Avoya? He goes in to the spiritual encounter. When he comes out, he comes out and he's called Acher. He, can't, he, he becomes a heretic, and he is sort of divided. His self is divided into two. He's partly a committed Jew in some level. He's still interested in learning Torah and still interested in teaching Torah, but he lives a life completely like a Greek. And what happens in this experience, and this is where Rabbi Hanal explains this, B'Shem HaGoynim, the name of the Goynim, is that he sees that maybe there is actually, God forbid, two forces in the universe. He has a mystical vision, and he sees that Matartan, the Sarah Shalolam, the, the prince of the world, the, 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 the spiritual embodied quality of energy, that of divine energy that flows into this world, he sees that Matartan is sitting. He sees that Metatron, or Matartan, how you call it in English, maybe, that Matartan is sitting. And he says, maybe there is the force of light, and maybe there's also a force of darkness. That there's actually two forces in the universe. There is God of beauty, God of light, God of joy, God in the place where things are working out. And maybe there's also a God of darkness. There's a God that is found and creates darkness. This is basically in the ancient world, and it was much more relevant at that time. This is a Zoroastrian cult that believed that there are two forces in the universe. There's the forces of light. And the forces of darkness. We actually say every single morning, who who creates, who forms light, who creates darkness. We change the verse in in the Pasuk in Nach. We change instead of who creates evil, Hashem creates everything. Hashem is the creator of both light, life, and darkness. So we we to dismiss this idea, this is a rostering idea. Why does Elisha have this experience? And why does he see? Why does he come out of the experience like this? Because Elisha sees that they're sitting. He sees all of a sudden that Kaviyachal, as if there's a, an idea in heaven of sitting. His imagination, his idea of, of God, and his idea of Torah is that God is beauty. God is standing. It's a posture of power, of beauty, and, 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 and majesty. 
The Gemara tells us that the reason why Elisha ben Avui became a great sage is because his mother was once passing a house of study where, where some of the sages were studying. And his, um, his mother said, this is a beautiful study. They're studying so beautifully. It's a very intellectual, high level of intellectual study. I wish my son should become a scholar. So what attracted Elisha ben Avui's mother to the world of Torah was the beauty of Torah, was the majesty of Torah, was the yoifia Torah, the beauty of the argument, the beauty of the, of the seichel, of the intelligent argument. And this is what Elisha ben Avuya lived with. He lived with the sense of beauty, God and the beauty. The Gemara in Yerushalmi, in Megillah, in uh, Perik Aleph says, that like Pasach, Mipuma, that Elisha always used to sing the Greek songs on his lips. The, uh, so it means he was always connected to the world of the Greek, the world of, of majesty, of beauty, of poetry. This is what his connection with. When he saw sitting, that he saw he saw that there's a place of darkness. There's a place of sitting, that or the Malach, the angel of Baruch Hu, is sitting. He didn't understand that. And the Gemara says, the Gemara Chagiga, a page two three pages before that, Yubei says, that Yashav is it possible that there's darkness in front of Hashem? So Gemara says, This is in the inner chamber and the outer chamber, which means that there was there is there is a there is a type of idea of sitting, and it depends which 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 reality we're talking about. A little earlier in the Gemara, the same Gemara in the same tract in the Chagiga Lafheim the base, the Gemara says, "Bimbestarim tipchenafshi." There's a verse that says that Hashem cries in its inner chamber. And the Gemara asks, the sages ask, Mika, is it possible that, that there is sadness in front, front of God? The Pasuk says, Hashem is, is in a place, in the place of, of Bim Koyma, in his place, is only joy and power. And the Gemara says, the Gemara says, This is the inner chamber, this is the outer chamber. And there's an argument between the Rishonim, which chamber is which? But the point is, that there is a place, just like Hashem creates and is beligal, infinity, beauty, majesty, revealed joy. Hashem also, whether it's in the inner chamber or the outer chamber, there's a place of darkness. There's a place of there's a place of crying, place of of svekas, of, of doubt, of uncertainty, a place of lack of clarity. There is Ilana the Chaya, there's the tree of life, and there's Ilana the Svekin, there's the tree of, dark, of, of uncertainty. There's a tree of life where things always look clear and, and revealed and open and transparent, and a person feels good and feels connected and feels dveikas with Hashem, feels close to Hashem, feels that they have a Muna and Yira and Ava, they feel that they have love and awe, and they feel a connection. And then there's also the world where things don't seem so clear. Now, this can be on a physical level, on a mental level, on an emotional level, on a spiritual level, where it seems to be broken, it seems to be dark, it seems to be concealed. And this doesn't necessarily only have to do with Tisha B'Av, but Tisha B'Av is sort of the headquarter. There's something that's called a parts of Yamim and a parts of Azman, and parts of Azman means the persona of time, which means throughout the year, there are different times of the year that personify this type of quality. And then there is a little bit of that quality throughout every single day of the year. There's Purim, 
Purim is the personification of transcendence, of joy and happiness. And then there is, that's the Purim within the structure of time. And then there's the Purim of every single day. It's a little bit of Purim in every person's life. Tisha B'Av embodies all the quality of destruction and hardship and all the concealments and darkness and uncertainties that a person may experience in this world, some more, some less. And if you don't have it by yourself, maybe you see it by others. That's also exile. That's the part of the day that's connected to Tisha B'Av. That's the Tisha B'Av within every single day. There's the Tisha B'Av, the ninth of, of, of the year, and then there's a the little Tisha B'Av throughout every single day. And this is what Rabbi Kiva comes along to Alisha ben Avuya and tells him. Alisha ben, Rabbi Kiva tells Alisha ben Avuya, and it tells all three characters that go into this mystical, transcendent state. He says, I'll, that, uh, don't say water, water. Don't say that there's separation. And Rabbi Kiva was the only one that was nichnas v'shalom, v'yatsa v'shalom. He was able to enter in peace and exit in peace. Because Rabbi Kiva was able to understand in contrast to Elisha ben Avuyu, who lived in the world of beauty and majesty and intellectual uh, harmony and intellectual beautiful arguments, Rabbi Kiva also understood, because Rabbi Kiva came from that place. Rabbi Kiva came from a place where he was very poor. And not only physically poor, he was an Amaretz. He says that upon himself, that he was an Amaretz. He was an ignoramus. And Rabbi Kiva was a person that rose from a place of darkness and confusion and a place of chayshach to a place of great heights. Rabbi Kiva became the greatest sage of the Talmud, the greatest sage that ever lived in the times of the Talmud. Kula libele Rabbi everything follows the laws of Rabbi Kiva. Rabbi Kiva became extremely wealthy, the Gemara Yashami says, he, he married wealth, he achieved a lot of wealth, and yet Rabbi Kiva, despite the fact that he rose to such heights, the Gemara also says that his hand was the hand of Anahim. What he was busy with, doing with his money was giving out charity. So Yekiva was a person that was able to understand the high and the low, the light and the darkness. He was able to understand that it's Hashem Echad, it's one God. And Hashem is present in our highs and Hashem is present in our lows. Hashem is present in the oil. And just like Hashem creates light, Hashem creates darkness. Just like Hashem has the potential of the infinity, Infinite light, Hashem also has the the potential of, of finitude. Hashem is, includes and embraces all. It's the cloud that's higher than the prats, the higher than the details. This is this is the relationship that Rabbi Kiva had to life and to Torah and to Yiddishkeit. And this is what Tishabov is all about. Tishabov is a time that yes, Tishabov, we sit on the floor, and Tishabov. We're in a state of daim, hanig daim, like an abba, like a person that's mourning. And because Hashem is and we're not supposed to learn Torah, at least not Torah that brings us joy, and maybe be a little bit sad and sit on the floor. And if you're sitting on the floor, generally, you're not sitting on a carpet. You're probably getting a little dusty and dirty. You haven't took a shower for a while. And certainly if you're really, really careful, maybe for a longer period than just a while. So you're maybe a little bit smelly and a little bit dirty and you're sitting on the floor and you're a little sad. This is what Tishbev says. Tishbev says that it's a moyet, it's a yamtav, it's a time that we can encounter and connect with a Kaddish Baruch Hu at this very, at this very moment, right at this very moment. We don't need a future or the or the future that's in the present. The the state that we're at in, no matter which situation we're in, we're in, no matter the condition that we find ourselves, 
whether it's once a year or a few minutes every single day, if you find yourself in that situation, do not despair. Do not say that Hashem is not present there. You can have a moyed, you can have an encounter with Hashem's presence, in the place of the darkness. Because just like Hashem is Yetzer Oyer, just as Hashem creates life and forms life, so Hashem also is a boy creates darkness. And Hashem is sitting with us and being with, being with us on the floor in our, in our constricted state, in our Metzar state. We have an opportunity to connect him because Hashem, in the language, in an image of the, of the Medrash we quoted before, Hashem sits down on the floor and is shoeless and sits down. All the majesty of Hashem is, is now Hashem is crying for that was lost. I think for the greatness of Klal Yisrael that was lost, that God willing, already this year and already today, we should be zoicha, we should merit that it should literally be Thank you for listening to Rav Pinson's podcast. To submit questions or to sponsor a future episode, please email ralphpinsonpodcast at gmail.com. The link is in the description below. Thank you.